number six of a christmas miscellany twenty seventeen by various this librivox recording is in the public domain number six christmas eve and christmas day by patrick mcgill chapter six christmas eve the sergeant's water bottle's full but it is strange to see the sergeant on the earl for some water for his tea but ain't it strange when night is on and we are out of sight the sergeant takes his bottle out and swigs from it all night cold water cold water cold old water from the lost rum ration it was about seven o'clock in the evening and an unusual silence brooded over the loose salient in the trenches the silence always broods the soldiers not knowing what the moment may bring forth are uneasy and the eternal hidden menace of the unknown is intensified by the stillness the evening was intensely dark black impenetrable shadows bulked in the trenches and became the colour of the parapet parados and bay objects quite near at hand took on strange fantastic shapes and looked like men lying asleep on the fire-steps only a closer examination would show that the phantoms were sandbags or ammunition boxes many of the boys were smoking the lighted cigarettes glowed like rubies set in an illimitable spread of ebony it was raining a soft almost caressing rain dropped sleekly and helplessly down on the firing line in this manner it had been falling for hours the trenches were filled to the fire-step with slush and muck the duck-boards were afloat and men changing their position in the trench clambered out over the top and walked along the reverse slope of the parapet now and again a wayfarer stuck in the clinging quicksand of the trench floor only to free himself when he succeeded in climbing out of his wellington boots fitzgerald sat down on the fire-step and sank into the soft mud so complete was the stillness that he could distinctly hear all the varied sounds of the night mingling together in a long-drawn slumberous murmur the far-off death lullaby of a heavy shell the soft quivering croon of the damp wind the sough of a boot as a soldier walked along the trench the vague murmurings from a near dugout the enervating sizzle of falling rain and the varied indefinable night movements of nature blended sleepily together in a slumber that made for nightmares and fevered dreams fitzgerald dozed off only to wake in an instant by hearing voices speaking very close to him spudhole my rifle is full of dirt half a sandbag of chalk has gone down the barrel said the voice of bowdy benners mine is full up a muck too said spudhole there was an indifference in his tones he seemed to have lost all interest in his best friend his ipe i don't care a damn he muttered a nipe's only made to be cleaned in this here war as far as i can see when is the rum coming up bowdy inquired probably we'll get none to-night sup said bub round the next bay in the dugout well i'm off said bowdy i'm half frozen i'm for a good tot if it's going by the way he asked as if it had suddenly occurred to him how many of our fellows were blown up by the mine this morning seven or eight said bub or maybe more 
and to think that to-night's christmas eve said benners as if the conversation had forcibly reminded him of the fact the two men clambered over the top and made their way towards the dugout from which the rum was issued fitzgerald got up and followed as he crawled over the sandbags a star shell rose into the darkness and lit the scene of war the country showed wet and livid the barbed wire entanglements wound crookedly along the levels the wires stretched out waiting for their prey with threatening barbs in the brooding silence and the locality of war hate and vengeance persisted and were well in keeping with the ominous night and here it seemed they found their most direct expression fitzgerald looked round and queer fragmentary thoughts rioted in his head he remembered a verse of a song which he had once heard and repeated it aloud here comes i jack straw such a man you never saw through a rock through a reel through an old spinning-wheel through a mill-hopper through a bag of pepper sheep's shanks chicken bone give me a kiss or leave me alone what has put this nonsense into my mind he asked himself probably it is because it is part of a christmas carol and this is christmas eve two thousand years gone by and the message of the prince of peace not made manifest yet well i wonder if the rum is waiting he made his way into the trench again and came in sight of the dugout with its candle lit in a niche of the chalky wall and its huddled occupants lying on the floor a few no doubt were asleep two or three were sitting their backs against the chalk their heads bent down almost between their knees all were dressed in sheepskin coats khaki trousers and high boots and wore full equipment their cartridge pouches being well stocked with ammunition although a bank of earth was heaped up on the doorstep it did not prevent the water from dripping inside the floor of the dugout was as mucky as the floor of the trench stooping down fitzgerald crawled in through the narrow door of the shelter bub was already inside scraping the muck from his boots with a clasp knife behind him with his back against the wall sat bowdy benners cutting a lump of cheese into small portions the cheese was a big item of the christmas eve rations he was sitting down now his head thrust forward his big hands busy with the cheese as fitzgerald entered he looked up then glanced round the dugout not much grub to-night boys he said four biscuits a hat and a bully and a piece of cheese for each man and the rum asked bub forestalling every man with the question it's here all right said bowdy they stared open-mouthed for a full second then a roar of delight echoed through the dugout and the sleepers awoke bub rose to his feet whirled his clasp-knife round his hand endeavoured to dance a jig and only stopped when his head came in forcible contact with the roof for the third time fitzgerald chuckled a glow of satisfaction lit up his handsome face and his eyes rested lovingly on the sandbag which stood in an angle of the wall near the door then he lay back rested his head on the wall and stared at the candle in that position he looked a very charming boy and he knew it in civil life he must have been very fond of society the company of notable people and above all of pretty women again he looked at the sandbag in the angle of the wall 
but his eyes were not the only ones fixed on that object and no wonder the sandbag contained the rum jar well what about a tot asked bub bowdy rose and took the sandbag into the middle of the room where he uncovered the precious jar and filled a mess tin of liquor he handed the tin to bub cheero said the cockney and drank he passed the tin round and wiped his lips there's some guts in rum he muttered and his voice was full of emotion god it doesn't half warm up the inside of a bloke now what about a christmas dinner he continued bully ain't what one would call tres bon is it christmas dinner a bully beef gore blimey that's no blurry good it's a funny thing that a full belly always is associated with happiness said fitzgerald shaking his head and laughing loudly rum went easily to his head if a man gets married he feeds well and if a child is born to him he stuffs himself with viands it's always his belly always said bub reaching a second time for the mess tin it doesn't matter what fitz says remarked bowdy benners sinking his chin into the collar of his sheepskin coat what i say is this we must have a christmas dinner to-morrow how can we get one fitz inquired easy enough that said bowdy i know an old woman of the cafe calamphi a parcel of good things could be got there for a few francs i could go down to les brevis in an hour but they're shelling the road fitzgerald remarked blowing holes in it and the houses are flying about the streets not only that but you're not supposed to go away from here and again all shops are closed at nine o'clock it's well past eight now but that doesn't matter said bowdy the woman of the cafe is a great friend of mine you're a sly old dog bowdy said bub no one would think that to look at yer bowdy went red in the face and proceeded to buckle his equipment his hands trembling a little over the job we'll have a collection anyhow said fitzgerald and he flung a coin into his mess tin several coins followed and in the end the magnificent sum of twelve francs fifty was collected bowdy put the money in his pocket took a last long-drawn pull at his cigarette and went out i'll be back again in no time were his final words the men turned their attention to the rum jar again tongues were loosened and stories of past christmases went round the dugout bub strong on the traditions of the regiment told the story of the brigadier's kit inspection at st albans the christmas previous the old brig come round when he was inspectin us and he looked at my pack said bub that's the neatest pack i've seed in the whole battalion says the brig have you got everything that's laid down in orders in that ere pack he says to me everything i says i know that the contents of a nice pack is always nice and clean he says i'll just have a look in your pack take it off and take out everything and lay em out he says gore blimey i did what he'd order me and my bloomin pack was full of straw twas lighter to carry than the ordinary caboose fourteen days spud hole bub concluded fitzgerald was singing a song and waving an empty mess tin over his head the song was one of his own making a rabelaisian production with a snappy chorus all joined in and drank in turn suddenly they heard the dull rumble of approaching shells and the loud explosions of the missiles in the fields outside fitzgerald lit a cigarette and finished a chorus they're strafing again he said the damned pastime will never come to an end
chapter seven christmas day blurry well freezin and cold as sin christmas day in the mornin the big guns welcome the saviour in christmas day in the mornin used to have fingers and used to have toes used to have ears as well as a nose but now i don't think that i've got any of those christmas day in the mornin wish we was safe in a stall to-day christmas day in the mornin watchin the cattle munchin their hay christmas day in the mornin the prince of peace was born we're told snug in a stall in the days of old lord look down on us ere in the cold on christmas day in the mornin from carols of good will the dawn was at hand the dawn of christmas day fitzgerald was standing on the fire-step looking over no man's land towards the enemy's trenches it was his hour on sentry go the rain was still falling and his hands and feet felt very cold but he was powerless to restore any warmth to his body by moving about to leave the fire-step for a moment was dangerous he knew that if he stuck in the mud of the trench he could not extricate himself for he felt utterly worn out he had been warm enough when he went on watch owing to the rum which he had drunk but now he was shivering as if his whole being had been stricken with ague he tried to warm his legs by striking one against the other but his feet felt so heavy that he desisted after two or three ineffectual endeavours to release them from the mud the slightest movement was a monstrous futility and now that it had become so difficult to move he did not want to remain still and he had the greatest desire in the world to be free-footed and doing something the germans were shelling the sector on the right and the chill wet morning was lit up by the lurid flashes of bursting explosives the air was full of the rumbling and crashing of the conflict shells sped across the trench careering towards some distant objective probably the village where old bowdy was routing out the essentials for a christmas dinner and bowdy had not returned yet some nine hours had gone by since he departed on his mission probably he has got blown to pieces fitzgerald muttered poor old bowdy then he passed without further thought of bowdy to memories which came into his head at random he thought of his home away up in the little glen in galway of the neighbours there of dolty fadham the great gambler who always won when he turned his coat outside in of eamon hudag who got drunk at glenagh fair and lost his clothes somewhere at night in the morning he came across the hills in a red flannel petticoat of paddy brogan who cleared out the same fair with a stone in the foot of a woman's stocking i wish i was in glenagh now fitzgerald said a good turf fire a bit and a sup and the neighbours coming in for the night's raking then all these memories and desires floated together and jumbled themselves up in his head and he fell asleep he was awakened by a feeling that everything was not as it should be for the unusual there was only one place to look out on his front and his eyes were already fixed on the grey formless level which lay between his trench and the enemy's nothing changed there everything just then fitzgerald saw a huge bulk take shape on his right front twenty yards from the trench and fifty yards away from the spot where he stood the bulk rose upright like a gigantic monster of some pre-adamite age paused for a second as if considering something then it burst in twain 
and fitzgerald flopped down into the mucky trench half blinded and deafened by the flash and thunder of the exploding mine the earth had vomited its entrails out a million rocks rioted through the air and ricocheted off the parapet the dawn was thick with flying rubbish the greater part of which seemed to be falling into the trench dropping with a sickly splosh into the muck the world was falling down around the ears of the irishman out and man the mine crater the order came along the trench like a half-strangled whisper fitzgerald rose from the muck and spluttered the message along to the next bay then gripped his rifle and clambered up and across the parapet most of the men were already out and rushing towards the crater of the mine fitzgerald had a vivid impression of flying figures in sheepskin coats of rifles in the air of bursting shells of men stumbling falling and rising of hoarse-voiced oaths and imprecations of queries and answers not our mine is it i thought we were too far apart are we to get into the blurry hole before the gas clears away were a few of the remarks which came to his ears a corporal halted near him and shouted something about the risk the men were running we'll be poisoned by the fumes in the crater he said we're coming across too soon far too soon he muttered far too blurry soon but no one paid any heed to stop on the open was dangerous and the germans were out already they could be seen dark figures breaking through the enemy's barbed wire entanglements presently they would be engaged with the british in a hand-to-hand -hand encounter for the possession of the crater fitzgerald reached the rim of the hole and stood there for a moment looking down heavy coils of thick smoke wound snake-like along the bottom where the black earth was illumined by ghastly phosphorescent lights that trailed up the sides in thin sluggish streaks a few soldiers were already going down into the place and halting from time to time taking stock of the scene before them all were spluttering and coughing and a few had pulled their gas helmets down over their heads and faces this is no blurry bean-fest i can tell yer spudhole muttered as he tried to clamber back crawling with difficulty almost knee-deep in the rubble as he moved the clay shot away from beneath him and he found himself in the unenviable plight of being able to advance a foot only to find himself slipping back a yard the enemy shelled with unceasing persistency and men were getting struck on the rim of the crater anywhere was better than where they were standing they flopped into the crater making futile efforts to save themselves from rolling to the bottom by clawing at the clay of the sides once down however they found to their relief that breathing was easier than they had anticipated what now someone inquired looking vaguely round what indeed what's to be done we'll get killed like blurry rats down here the alimongs are coming over in droves it's better to fight em on the top than to let em stone us to death down here sergeant snogger in a sheepskin coat which was freshly ripped across the shoulder by a bullet or shell splinter rolled down the side of the crater and landed at the bottom in a moment he was on his feet up to the top boys he cried don't stand here arguing like fishwives up to the top or you'll be damned unlucky immediately the men were crawling up like ants but with extreme difficulty 
their heavy boots their equipments and rifles impeded their movements each man was a khaki-clad sisyphus battling against an incline such as the patient sisyphus never experienced the men grunting and swearing seemed to be making no headway the scaling of the crater side about sixty feet in depth was a herculean task for men strong of wind and limb to them it was a task of despair we'll never get there bub grunted then his eyes sought the top gor blimey he muttered there they come a man dressed in german uniform stood on the rim of the crater a rifle in his hand and looked down as the soldiers watched he raised his rifle to his shoulder and pointed it at the crush in the bottom of the crater the movement was his last bowdy benners arrived at that moment dressed in full marching order his rifle in his hand and the bayonet fixed the point was delivered at the shoulder and benners long arms put all the zest of a strong body into the movement the german came clean over the rim of the crater and rolled down to the bottom clawing at the air with frenzied fingers bowdy lay down at the top and his rifle became active round after round sped across the open towards the foe who were now coming up in bulk and getting very close to the crater keep it up bowdy cried snogger are they near they're not far away said bowdy without looking round devil blow me blind they'll be here in a second if you don't come up and give me a hand ah they've stopped now a shell has caught a couple all right bowdy we're here the sergeant shouted reaching the summit the main body of germans advancing in open order was still some fifty yards away as far as could be ascertained at the moment the delay they should have been across the open three minutes ago was due to a heavy curtain fire which had greeted them just as they came out of their trenches the fire caught them at the barbed wire entanglements concussion shells tore up the wires and swept them around the bodies of the attackers and the impartial shrapnel rained viciously down on the huddled heaps of wounded the quick were advancing a dispirited party of men in open order glad to get away from their own trenches which were suffering cruel chastisement some were willing to fight even yet five or six had flung themselves down on the ground and trained their rifles on the british positions opening a wild erratic fire of slight intensity cold hands never hold a rifle steady on a christmas morning the men in the crater lay down behind the parapet which the exploding mine had formed and opened fire with deadly effect that'll knock the blurry stuffin out of em spudhole remarked there they come now their hands up in the air it was even as he remarked the advanced line of germans put their timorous hands over their heads and stepped diffidently towards the mine camarade camarade they whined their arms shaking as if stricken with palsy the snipers threw their rifles away and joined in with their mates all were sick of the job take them prisoners said sergeant snogger there's nothing else to be done an hour later when the wounded had been carried back to the trench and the prisoners were marched off to the village at the rear the victors were left to themselves in undisputed possession of their hard-won crater the christmas morning scene was one never to be forgotten 
the rain-swept crater the crumbling clay the fumes of gunpowder the dead bodies the monotonous hum of ragtime choruses the shells bursting across the top the dirty rifles and the dirtier men who endeavoured to clean them bowdy benners was there with a full pack and a bulging haversack fitzgerald and spudhole were deep in a discussion on some nonsensical subject but the discussion served its object it brought the men's minds away from the stark reality of their surroundings snogger sitting on his haunches was giving details of the fight to his platoon commander captain thorley bub drew up towards bowdy and asked him for a drink from his water bottle benners handed it to him with a solemn look spudhole drank good asked bowdy wonderful stuff said spudhole hand it round said bowdy all drank from the water bottle in turn and each man winked knowingly when he drank none of the men had expected any rum that morning the ration of the night before had been so short the limbers met with a mishap when coming up to the valet dump of course all were aware that bowdy had come into possession of the rum by illegitimate means however no inquiries were made now what about a smoke before dinner bub remarked fixing a knowing glance on bowdy has anybody got a fag to spare many a poor bloke has gone west since i had my last fag fitzgerald fumbled about in his haversack and found a box a little tin box lying snug and dry amidst a crush of papers and broken biscuits some fifty cigarettes were enclosed within he handed them around they lit them up the drink and the smoke exercised a cheering effect upon the men a look of pleasure stole over every face and the men burst into uncontrollable fits of laughter when spudhole standing on a platform of clay placed his arms akimbo and wished all a merry christmas if we have to spend the day here we must spend it here we must stick it here and there's no more to be said he laughed we'll get relieved to-night he added that's if we're lucky suppose we build a dugout and light a fire said snogger there's half a dozen poles standing over the top we got waterproof sheets trenching tools and good chalk to work in drawing their tools from their equipment the men set to labor with zeal hollowed out a shelter in the chalk roofed it over and lit a fire the latter was the most difficult feat and several entrenching tool handles had to be cut into thin spales and placed over the flames before the fire burned properly devil blow me blind if that's not very clever said bowdy benners when the flames were dancing merrily against the wall of the dugout it almost puts me in mind of christmas away in blighty now we'll see what we've got in hand for a meal for our christmas dinner i'll look in my pack he opened his pack and took out the treasures which he piled against the wall of the dugout the pack contained three large loaves cut into thick chunks eight tins of sardines a tin of condensed cafe au lait two bottles of champagne and several slabs of meniere's chocolate the bulging haversack was another treasure wallet it contained apples and pastry in abundance also a tin of lard which would presently be used for frying bully beef during all the morning the artillery fire had not wholly slackened but now a quiet moment held the line dinner was prepared first the men made tea using the water from their water bottles boiling it in mess tins over the fire 
then they cooked their bully beef on the mess tin lids and cut the bread into nice thin slices it was fitzgerald who proposed that all slices should be thin and none gainsayed his whim the first course consisted of sardines and bread the second course of bread and fried bully tea was served with every course followed pastry for dessert and fruit was served out in dainty portions they brought the meal to an end by drinking french wine and english rum and lighting up their cigarettes during the meal the platoon commander was deep in talk with sergeant snogger and when the christmas dinner was over he came forward and spoke to the party my boys he said this i suppose is the most interesting christmas you've ever spent bub too interesting for me sir platoon commander yes i suppose it is but i hope that neither you nor any of us will spend christmas under such conditions again such things must be at times i suppose and seeing that it came to our turn i must admit that we did as well as any platoon in the british army you stuck to your post like bricks and reaped honours from a fight where the odds were very much against us rifle benners at a critical moment showed great resource in putting one of the enemy out of action for this we must thank him platoon hear hear good old bowdy etc platoon commander i haven't much further to say except that i'm going to recommend rifleman benners for the dcm i am not going to make any inquiries as to where he spent last night and the early hours of this morning as all of you men assert that he was in the trenches i'll take your word for it i'm not going to inquire where the champagne bread and other things came from but if i may i'll say that i've never in all my life enjoyed a meal half as well as i enjoyed my christmas dinner in the loose salient that night the irish were relieved a month later the dcm was given to bowdy benners end of number six